Wake up, Daddy's home. Hello, and welcome to the Alpha Zone. This week, we're going to start straight with Wednesday the 13th episode of AW Dynamite. CM Punk's march to the World Heavyweight Championship continued Wednesday in the night's opening match, a single showdown with Penta that had fans in New Orleans into every strike from very early on. The competitive back and forth between these two men saw Punk shake off a potentially devastating spot in which Punk clearly nursed a banged up left knee followed following a botched head scissors from the top rope and delivered down the stretch. The finish was fantastic and put the explanation point on a very good match between two top competitors for the single world title and a competitor who can excel as a singles or as a tag wrestler. A grueling match. It will be interesting to see the effect it has on Punk is merely a banged up knee or if it is hurt. If it is the latter, how does that affect his ability to challenge for the world title? A direction Tony Khan is clearly taking the competitor on the road to double or nothing, maybe? If he is okay, expect a ton of interest in his journey to the world title and a showdown with either Hangman Adam Page or Adam Cole. In Las Vegas. 9 out of 10. My thoughts. The dueling chance prior to the match highlighted the investment fans have in both competitors. An ugly slip off the top rope left Punk clutching his knee in pain as the fans continued to chant Punk in support. Punk's responded with a Punk responded with a hurricane runner off the top rope, executing the move seamlessly in defiance of his injured knee. The teased pile drivers from each competitor on the ring apron made for a cool spot. If only we hadn't seen it on Rampage last week. The finish which saw Punk catch Penta in midair and deliver the go to sleep was fantastic. Now we turn to Jurassic Express versus Red Dragon for the AEW Tag Team Championship. Jurassic Express passed its toughest test to date on Wednesday night in a phenomenal pay-per-view quality match against Red Dragon. Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus overcame the challenge of their opponents earning a hard-fought victory that featured a great sequence from the beginning and throughout and some tandem offense from both teams that reflected their status as two of the best in the world. There was a mu- there was a small issue with Luchasaurus forgetting to sell the injury at one point, particularly when he just nipped up and, can- and just started to unload his offensive arsenal without issue or hesitation, hesitation. but this was hardly enough to derail a match that could have been right at home on double or nothing card had the company waited that long to do it. 
my issue with this is I would have given this a 15 out of 10 if it wasn't for that Luchasaurus spot. And he seems to consistently be the one that lowers the grade for the Jurassic Express. The introduction of FTR into the mix afterwards was interesting and creates several different scenarios the tag division can go in ahead of the Vegas pay-per-view, including a freeway dance for the titles that would be difficult for anything to follow. Props to Jungle Boy who has developed his in-ring game to the point that he is genuinely a top 10 worker in the company. 9 out of 10. My thoughts. The intensity in which Jungle Boy throws his lariat clotheslines is underrated and one of the best elements of his work. Jim Ross calling out the overdone and the overbalanced of the top suiciders is great. Jim Ross calling out that, hey, I thought Luchasaurus was injured, was great. Thus far on the show was highlighted just by greatness. And it's a great way to start it. Now, I have to give Excalibur and Tony Schiavone credit here. They no-sold Luchasaurus no-selling. Jim Ross was allowed to make the point, and that was it. Luchasaurus nipping up and no-selling his knee from earlier in the match, only to go back to it after a standing moussault, was not great. And again, he lowered the grade. Jungle Boy is just barely getting his foot under the ropes to break up a submission, put over the game of inches, and added to the match. FTR confronting Ref Dragon and hinted they may challenge for the AW titles in the near future as they look to add the AEW Tag Team Championships to their hall was perfect. Next, MJF dominated Captain Sean Dean early and often in their match, only to have Wardlow once again rear his head and stalk after the scarf wearing loudmouth. The big man's presence and domination of security guards cost his former colleague the match as Sean D earned the very first count-out victory in, in AEW Dynamite history. Wardlow's reveal was phenomenal and NJ, MJF sold it magnificently. The crowd is red hot for Wardog right now and proof of how well the character has been booked. There will come a moment where Wardlow gets his hands on Maxwell Jacob Freeman and the crowd, presumably in Las Vegas, will erupt accordingly. The story has been right out of Batista turning on Triple H ahead of WrestleMania 21, and the crowd has eaten it up, proving that sometimes borrowing from the past is not a bad thing, much like Batista 
did 17 years ago. It has elevated Wardlow to a position that nobody thought possible. And honestly, in my opinion, he will be the next breakout star in the company. You can't ask for more than that out of a story like this one. Kudos to the young Oregon and MJF for ensuring the feud succeeds to the extent it has and hopefully it continues going forward. Sorry guys, it is very late at night and I am very, very sleepy. I'm going to give this a 9 out of 10. The camera footage of security beaten up backstage without a shirt before Wardlow revealed he was posing as a security guard himself was a great moment. Wardlow shaking off Spears' chair shot put him further over as an unstoppable force driven by vengeance. Sean Dean picking up wins over MJF at a point no one has managed is great and it's a good story and one the company can revisit further down the road. Next, the trios match between Eddie Kingston, Santana and Ortiz versus the JAS, the Jericho Appreciation Society. Now, there was too much going on in this match, so I'm only going to give you the highlights. This is what happens when you have a trios match. At one point, it appeared as if Eddie Kingston, Santana and Ortiz had gotten the best of the JAS, especially after they attacked Angelo Parker and Matt on the runway. That would be the only victory the trio scored, though. Chris Jericho, Daniel Garcia and Hagel won a solid trios match by capitalising on Matt and Parker's interference, not only to mention the use of the baseball bat to their benefit. The outcome continues a feud that never once felt like it would be resolved with this match. There is bigger and a much more wild and chaotic match to be had out of this program, presumably with two, com with two other competitors joining Kingston and co for the showdown. Parts of the feud have been hot, others not. Kingston is great and Santana and Ortiz are finally taking centre stage rather than playing lackeys to Jericho, which is great. However, this is where it went downhill. 5 out of 10. Ortiz wearing Parker's shoes around his neck after attacking him earlier in the day and stealing them was a nice bit of consistency. Kingston's thump shirt pad homage to New Orleans legend and WWE Hall of Famer, the great Junkyard Dog. Backstage, Lexi Nair revealed Hook will compete in his first Dynamite match in Pittsburgh 
next week against Tony Nice. It was, it is what it was. Dan Housen appeared to try and curse him again. The cuffs hit a no work. Next, Keith Lee and Swerve versus Ricky Starks and big powerhouse Willie Howells. Marine squashed, Marina squashed Sky Blue in an enhancement match, sending a message to Jade Cargill in what awaits. Uh, and I was just meh, 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 meh. The introduction to the Dynamite audience more than anything else, a lack of screen time in both NXT and in AEW reared its head as she struggled to put over her killer persona coming across as one-dimensional and emotionless rather than sadistic and dominant. She needs to get reps in front of a crowd to fully achieve her full potential. Hometown hero and FTR champion Ricky Starks entered the arena to a thunderous ovation as he and Big Willie Holbs battled Swerve in a match in a match weeks in the making. The match was energetic and it was great in points with great performances from Strickland and Starks which saw the heels go over after interference from Taz. There was nothing about the match that felt like it ended the feud between these two teams especially with Hobbs scoring the win for his team over Lee. Nor did it feel like something designed to prolong things forward. It was a good match Featuring four good wrestlers with great heat from the New Orleans crowd, solidly behind Starks. The same Starks who, oddly enough, did not get the nod to score the win in front of his hometown fans. So, the Scharf versus Blue match, 4 out of 10. And this tag match, 4 out of 10. My thoughts... Red Velvet and Kira Hogan sat in the Cargill baddies section, hinting at a future on-screen pairing with the champion. It was random. The pop for Starks and the genuine emotion it caused was a great moment for the young star with all the potential in the world and would be a huge part of AEW's future. However, I think he should have got the win. Next, the Ring of Honor World Television Championship match between Samoa Joe and Suzuki. A barrage of badassity kicked off the evening's main event as Ring of Honor World Television Championship was on the line as the world champion Shinsuke... uh, uh, Fuck's his name... (sighs) Far too late. Yeah. Shinsuke to Consumoa Joe. And they beat the ever living hell out of each other. 
with onslaught of one hand open chops to the chest only to enrage and anger the other for more ferocious strikes. Joe's body was beat red early but he absorbed and advanced overcoming a submission based attack by his opponent in time for cameras to catch Jay Lethal and Butt at ringside. And producers of things came to Joe's newfound rivals aid and a distraction entirely of the match as the destroyer ended the immediate physical battle with a muscle buster for the win and for the title. The wince indicating physical brutality of the match was in character for the all-time tough competitors and exactly what fans of both men expected when they squared off. Joe winning makes sense since he is signed to AEW and lives in the in the States. He is a name Tony Khan can build the new Ring of Honor around too. He is guaranteed some of the loudest reactions of anyone in the company, so it certainly makes sense that Tony Khan would want to highlight him with a big title win. The arrival of former NBA player Saturn Singh was not good. The crowd rejected him from the start and the beatdown aided by Lethal and Dunn ended an otherwise very strong show with a dud. There was no reaction due to the lights out gimmick and the fans that led AEW officials knew it very quickly. Maybe Singh becomes part of AEW, maybe he doesn't. If he does, this was a lacklustre start to his pro wrestling career. The match we just saw, 10 out of 10. The afterwards, 0 out of 10. My thoughts. The red bruise chest of Sabojo and Suzuki reflected the ferocity behind every chop. Joe beating him clean was the right call. Both men are legends. The fans know them for the best part. And either outcome would have been accepted and respected. The debut of Singh was a massive disappointment, especially given the lights out stick that accompanied it. Fans were expected an all spot fans were supposed to expect an all inspiring surprise and to no surprise it was nonsense and none of it. Sorry to say AW but overall you get a 7 out of 10. First match was great. Second match was great. Last match was great. But the meh you did really dragged it down. And I mean dragged it down phenomenally. There was nothing else that could have been done, in my opinion, to save it. 
like the FTR getting involved after the match, the tag match itself was great, don't get me wrong. It was absolutely perfect and it was something that needed to happen. You know, Jurassic Express were great. Red Dragon were great. You know, Luchasaurus again manages to drag the grade down for his team. And he does it every single time. And I don't get why they don't just tell him that if you're selling an injury, sell an injury. Stop fucking about. You know, how many times do I have to say this in the Dusty Rhodes voice? Luchasaurus, do not do shit you do not know how to do. Do not do shit you do not know how to do. If you do not know how to sell, then you need to be the monster of the team and let Jungle Boy sell. If you are going to learn how to sell, learn how to sell and then sell properly. This bullshit that he did in this match dragged the grade down. Sean, Captain Sean D beating MJF via count out. <clears throat> Again, was great. Down the road, you can pay, you can pay that off. The CM Punk match with Penta. Okay, I didn't understand why it was with Penta because Penta has been pushed as a tag team guy rather than a single guy. But okay, that was great. That was everything it needed to be. Tony Khan, if you could do more of the good and less of the bad, I would be very happy. I would be very, very happy with this. However, it's the meh and the dreg and the shit that happens again and again and again and again for no reason. It's not needed. Stop doing it. You have William Regal there. Have him there as your booker. Utilise him. Or do what I've suggested. You know, in my dream scenario, let him be in charge of Ring of Honor. Let him pick who he wants, what he wants, and let him get on with it. It's that simple. If you don't do that, you're going to fuck up Ring of Honor, and it'll be just another meh show please tony khan give the dream scenario a turn let william regal run ring of honor make ring of honor great again let william regal book it next a break from wrestling to remind my pack that today is April 14th and I want to say rest in peace to all those who lost their lives on the Titanic that started sinking at midnight on April 14th 1912 and took two hours to sink so it hit the bottom of the ocean on April 15th 1912 however I want to say rest in peace to all those people that lost their lives. And I hope 
you do rest in peace and I hope you are in a better place. I would encourage everybody out there who only knows Titanic as the movie to go out and do your research on this. I would also encourage people to book the trip that you can. I know it's expensive, so you can go out and you can go down to the wreck itself. It is expensive. However, I know that the money raised by these expeditions goes a long way to helping Excuse me. preservation of shipwrecks that are on the ocean floor. Titanic will not be around for much longer with the rate of decay and soon there will just be a plaque left there that marks where it was I would say in the next 15 years so if you are going to go my advice is go and do it go and do it soon my advice is also go to the Titanic Museum and walk around there and get a sense of the history get a sense of the real people that were on the Titanic previous expeditions have brought things up from the Titanic and they are on display in this museum for a limited time again I would encourage everybody to go and I would encourage people to remember your history and also if you are going to be on a boat if it's your job to look out make sure you have binoculars because one of the main reasons the Titanic sunk is because the crew that were looking out for icebergs did not have their binoculars. They were left in Southampton and they couldn't see it until it was too late. And so many people lost their lives because of it. It's a very, very sad accident that could have been avoided. And it is a tragedy. It really is a tragedy. Think of the lives these people could have gone on to had and their descendants yes i know some people some women and children got off the titanic but a lot more drowned and froze to death in the ocean waiting for help so again i want to say rest in peace to all those that died on the titanic and join me in a two minute silence if you would to respect those that unfortunately lost their lives on that night
thank you for joining me in that two minutes silence. Rampage from April 15th, 2022 kicked off with Daniel Bryan heading to the ring to team with John Moxley and Wheeler Utah against Billy Colt and Austin Gunn. Austin and the recently crowned Ring of Honor Pure Champion started for their teams with a fast-paced exchange of counters and takedowns. Utah seemed to be working a slightly more aggressive style than he would have before aligning himself with Regal. Daniel Bryan spent several minutes on defensive before he was able to bring in Moxley and Utah to help him take out all three guns. After surviving a couple of power moves, the newest member of the BCC put the patriarch of the Gunn family (coughs) away to score the win. This was a fun and energetic six-man tag match that got the crowd in the right mindset. It wasn't a M-O-T-Y candidate, a match of the year candidate, or anything like that. But it was fun and outstanding for Utah as a member of the BCC. 9 out of 10. My thoughts. Each member of the BCC had a separate entrance. It was interesting to see Regal specifically come out during Utah's entrance. Even though he is there for the whole team. Billy used to feel like an average sized wrestler back in the 90s. It's kind of funny to see him be slightly more muscular than everyone else in the match. A lot has changed over the past 25 years. Daniel Bryan sent Austin into the middle turnbuckle with a drop toe hold at one point. The way Austin sold the hit was similar to how Shawn Michaels sold for Hulk Hogan. At SummerSlam 2005, Regal is great at putting over his guys from the commentary team. Next, The Butcher versus Sun Jobber and Ruby Soho versus Renegade. Before we got to this week's Women's Heart Foundation tournament, The Butcher squared, squashed a jobber in less than a minute while MJF sat with him sat with the commentary team sorry it was a three move match that nobody will remember by tomorrow but the jobber hitting a missile dropkick that had zero effect on the butcher was pretty funny two out of ten next renegade versus ruby soho it was funny because they started their match a couple of minutes after the butcher was through destroying his opponent renegade has worked th- three matches for AW prior to this. She has yet to pick up a win in the promotion. She is an unsigned talent who has been seen in other places recently. So she is starting to pick up some steam in her career. She and Soho had a competitive match that was physical from the moment it began. As soon as Renegade nailed Soho. With a kick to the face in a corner, it became clear this would not be just a friendly encounter of technical manoeuvres. Ruby Soho, AW's answer to the narcissist, was trying to make 
a comeback throughout the commercial break, although it looked when it looked like she had the upper hand. Renegade threw her through the table. Renegade's twin sister Charlotte sneakily took her place in the match after this. The ruse almost worked, but Soho was able to score the win in the end, earning herself a spot in the Owen Hart scoring um, Renegade's sister Charlotte sneakily tried to take her place in the match. The ruse almost worked, but Ruby was able to score the win in the end, earning herself a spot in the Owen Hart tournament match in the process. 3 out of 10. The way Renegade, Renegade trapped Soho's head against the turnbuckle and pushed her up into a headstand so she could kick her was a cool spot. Renegade needs to sit down at a lower pace if she really wants to be taken seriously. It's not just big move, big move, big move. Renegade might not have been so much of a punk as Ruby Soho, but her athletics in the ring is amazing. Even though they might make fun if she tags with her sister, they didn't naturally, you know, the fans didn't naturally make fun of her, which I thought was good. The twin magic spot not working as it was supposed to make Ruby look good. You know, the narcissist. Meh. Next, the main event of the evening was arguably one of the biggest matches in Rampage's short history. Hangman Adam Page put the AEW world title on the line against Adam Cole in a Texas death match. Both men introduced chairs to the ring before the bell even rang. So this was never going to be a technical match or what you would call a traditional wrestling match. This was a fight with some regular spots mixed in along the way. As they used tables, chairs, steps and steel. They used the barricade, a chain and anything else they could find near the ring to hurt each other. As the match progressed during the commercial break, the challenger began to dominate the champion. Both men were bruised and bloody before we were at the halfway point, but they never let up after hitting a buckshot lariat. Page tried to hit Cole. Page tied Cole to the top rope with his belt and retrieved another chair covered with barbed wire. However, he opted not to use it and tried to win by more honourable means. Cole made him pay for that decision with a low blow, a couple of super kicks. Page wrapped his arm in barbed wire and used it as a weapon before he put Cole through a table. With a dead eye, Cole was unable to get to his feet by the count of ten. As a result, Page retained his title. This was a meh match with a ton of meh moments that no one will remember. These idiots hurt themselves for nothing. Five out of ten. There will be no review of Raw or Smackdown this week.